disturbing from my slumber. I am the eternal dragon. Now make your first wish. Your wish has been granted. Here is your host, Tim Bridgewater. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode 56 of Rock the Dragon, a Dragon Ball Super Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater. Here we go, man. Here we go. A lot of crazy stuff going on right now in the world of Dragon Ball. Uh, obviously, <laughs> as most of you guys probably know, today, the day that I'm recording this episode of podcast on uh, March 25th, 2018, is the final air date, uh, is the air date for the final episode of Dragon Ball Super. So if you're watching a Japanese dub, this is probably a pretty bittersweet day for you. Uh, it's kind of bittersweet for all of us, I think, in some way, but obviously it's not as big of a deal right now to those of us who only watch the English dub because well uh, we still have a long way to go and I hope all you guys uh, stick around and keep listening and hopefully <clears throat> even some of the people out there who only watch the Japanese dub so they don't really wa- listen to the podcast will come and give the podcast a chance and pick up with the English dub so you could at least get a second perspective on the show that you already know and love once again my name is Tim Bridgewater Uh, I'm a big Dragon Ball fan. I just come on here weekly and talk about shit, and apparently people like to listen to it. So (laughs) that's always a good thing. Uh, I did it twice before. I had a podcast called Geekly Dose. We talked about everything geek. I also had one called uh, Republic City Report, which was a Legend of Korra podcast. So if either one of those sound like something you'd be interested in checking out, uh, they're both still up on iTunes as well as Stitcher.com. Uh, so yeah, with that being said, I mean, obviously we have a little bit of news to talk about before we really get into the episode talk for this week. And I, as I just mentioned, today is the final, uh, is the day of the final episode of Dragon Ball Super. Um, you know, it came as a bit of a surprise to, I think, to a lot of fans, um, a couple weeks ago or months ago or whatever that was when they announced that Dragon Ball Super would end, uh, on this episode on this date. Because I think the big question for most people was, was damn, man, like, are they even going to wrap this up? Because I don't watch the Japanese dub, but I have a friend named Robert. I mention him every now and then. He does watch it. So he's been kind of filling me in on things um, in a way that it doesn't spoil anything for me. Right. And that's why I can't because I don't do much research on this kind of stuff because it's very easy to just come across a spoiler. And I, it's not it's, it wouldn't be an, the end of the world if something was spoiled. But I try not to be spoiled as much as I can. I've already been spoiled on a few things beyond, you know, obviously, but it's a new day and age. And I try to keep my reactions as authentic and honest for you guys. And that's why I don't want to know what's going to happen. So Robert kind of tells me things every now and then. And he kind of gave me his opinions on things. And he's saying, you know, obviously there's been like this big tournament of power that's been going on for a long time. I won't say much more than that. Uh, I don't know much more than that any damn way. (laughs) But there's been this massive tournament that's been going on for who knows how many episodes. And I've got the he I've gotten the impression from him that it doesn't even look like it's about to come to any sort of conclusion. Right. So he's thinking that the episode is probably going to end on some kind of weird cliffhanger because they're not even positioning themselves to sort of conclude Dragon Ball Super in some sort of way that wraps up everything. You know, typically when you come to an end of a series, there's this big revelation, you know, this big conclusion where everything gets wrapped up and people's stories are continued, yada, yada, yada. But they're saying that, you know, there's reason to believe that's not happening with Dragon Ball Super because 
Well, we already know how Dragon Ball Super ends, technically, don't we? <laughs> it ends the same way Dragon Ball Z ended. And that's the that's I think that's sort of the uh, excuse, quote unquote, that they're using, because you got to remember that Dragon Ball Super happens in that 10 year span of time uh, in between the end of the Boo saga. Remember, and then it jumps ahead 10 years and that's when Oob and all of them and they end up at the world tournament. Right. So all of this stuff is happening within 10 years so technically we still know how the story quote unquote ends you know we're not counting gt so we still know how it ends so i guess they say well hell we can just stop it here because we feel like stopping it or maybe the ratings aren't great or maybe they're tired of doing it or whatever but with that being said we now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is not where the story necessarily will end because the second piece of news that i have is that obviously most of you guys probably know that they just released a teaser trailer for the new dragon ball super movie and it is an interesting <laughs> teaser trailer uh so interesting in fact i actually made a video i did a, a teaser trailer reaction video of myself watching the trailer for the first time and you can find it over at facebook.com slash rock the dragon podcast so all the more reason to go like that page because you never know when i'm going to put something up and here you go it's been a little while since i made something but i thought this would be a really good opportunity don't worry i will tell you this much the trailer does not spoil anything it's a teaser it's like a minute long you don't have to be caught up with the japanese dub in order to watch this trailer because that was my concern because uh, I talked to my friend Robert today about it and he told he was telling me about it. And I said, yeah, I know that it's out, but I don't want to watch it because I'm not caught up with Dragon Ball Super. What if they show something, <laughs> you know, that I haven't seen yet because I haven't been watching Japanese dub? He reassured me it does not. And he's right. It does not. So if you're worried about that, don't be. Go give it a watch and then go to Facebook.com slash Rock the Dragon podcast. Watch my reaction video where I will give you my opinions and thoughts on it there. I won't really get into it here. Just go watch the video if you want to check it out. So a nice little bonus for you, for those of you who have liked the page, hopefully some sort of incentive for those of you who for some reason are still kind of towing the line. <laughs> get your butt over there and go like that page. All right. Okay. Uh, with that being said, obviously, you know, I, I welcome you guys to send your emails and comments and, uh, and, and all those sorts of things and messages for our email segment called what are you saying? Uh, you can send me an email at rockthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. With that being said, I do have uh, a message, which was more so of a comment here that was left by Ryan on the Facebook page. Uh, I want to read Ryan's comment here because I thought he brought up a very good point. Ryan writes, hey, Tim, like you, I really don't like the Beerus retcons because they don't make any sense. They made him the one to give Frieza the order to blow up Planet Vegeta. But that takes away from Frieza's character. He was afraid of the Saiyans and it's been and it's like Beerus told him to do something he wanted to do anyway. Besides, if Beerus wanted to destroy a planet, wouldn't he be the one? Wouldn't, wouldn't he want to be the one to do it? Why delegate blowing up planets to lesser beings? Also, trapping old Kai in the sword doesn't sound like Beerus's style either. But maybe due to his connection with the Kais, he wanted to seal him away so he wouldn't get killed. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for the comment. I thought I thought Ryan brought up a couple good points here. And, I, you know, this is something that we've kind of touched upon um, a few times more so recently uh, as far as, you know, I think I talked about it because we obviously on the last episode, there was this revelation 
that Beerus and uh, that the destroyer gods and the, and the Supreme Kai's of the universes come in pairs and they're kind of, you can't have one without the other. And apparently if you destroy one of them, you destroy the other one. Um, so I was kind of mentioning the fact that, uh, you know, we're, and, and we were talking about the history of the villains and okay, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I was talking about the history of the villains of the franchise and their motivations for being villains, you know, uh, further kind of explaining how Zamasu is probably one of the most developed villains we've gotten so far just because of all the time we've spent with him getting to know how he works and i was saying that beerus has more so he has no motivations here you know and and we kind of talked about the history of the villains and everything like that and somewhere amongst that i mentioned this thing about you know remember that they said that beerus was the one who actually ordered frieza to destroy the planet of vegeta and Ryan is basically agreeing with me on that. Yeah, I've, 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 I don't like that at all. <laughs> I've never liked it. I mean, I don't, you know, I, ultimately, I just have to assume that that was their way of, of once again, retconning everything and saying that nah, Beerus has been in the whole time when we know that he wasn't. We know that. Well, I, we don't know for a fact, but it's safe to assume that Beerus was not even like a thought in Akira Toriyama's mind until super came around right because there was never any talk of any destroyer gods or any shit like that in dragon ball z but i think in an effort to sort of say uh you know to to, to make it feel less like it was out of left field we say okay let's find a way to tie beerus in to events in the past just to show that he has sort of had a presence and I, maybe some people liked that. Maybe some people didn't. I hated it. I mean, I, I love the idea of Frieza de- sort of deciding on his own, you know, just from being out there and seeing the Saiyans in action and, and working closely with the Saiyans, King Vegeta and Prince Vegeta, uh, and just kind of being there on the ground level and witnessing these things. I mean, they, they, there was a scene that we saw where King Vegeta challenged Frieza you know, and then I believe he just kind of like I remember him knocking him on his ass or something like that. And obviously, uh, Bardock rose up to try to destroy him. And it's so in that it made sense because Frieza was witnessing the potential of the Saiyans. So he decided as someone who wants to rule the universe, he doesn't want he wants he wants to eliminate every threat. Right. So it makes sense to me that he would come upon this idea on his own to just get rid of all of them. And that was that was one of the best things they did for Frieza's character development was have that sort of be his motivation behind everything. I mean, that kind of set off this whole chain of events, you know, and, and, and you know, as a result of that, Goku was sent to, to Earth and, and yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? And like it kind of an, it kind of kicked off all these different things. Right. I mean, not as a result of that. Obviously, Goku left the planet of Vegeta before it was destroyed. <laughs> but, you know, like it, it, it all ties in together. So I was not a big fan of them saying that Beerus was the one who did it. I mean, you know, it just kind of but whatever. And I honestly, Ryan, I forgot about the whole thing about him sealing uh, uh, Elder Kai in the sword. I, I don't even think they explained why. There was just something that they mentioned. And I thought that that was stupid, too. You know, I mean, I, I've i always just accepted that he was stuck in the sword. I didn't need to know why. There wasn't one of those big, long running questions <laughs> in the Dragon Ball franchise where people are like, well, I wonder who sealed him in the sword. 
you know, and, and if they really wanted to tell that story, we'll just make a movie about it, you know, like, that's one thing, you know, throughout Dragon Ball Z's running, you know what, Super's ending after about 130 episodes or so, I could be wrong, something like that, right, uh, <clears throat> I mean, Dragon Ball Z was only like 291 episodes. So, you know, Super is ending about roughly halfway through where Dragon Ball Z ended. But by the time Dragon Ball Z had gotten to 130 episodes, I mean, they had already released several movies, I'm sure. And that's something that's missing from Dragon Ball Super is that they're not making all these movies, these side movies like Dragon Ball Z did. I mean, yeah, we've gotten Resurrection F and, 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 and Bell of Gods and shit, but those were technically... Uh, those may have still been considered Dragon Ball Z movies, maybe. I'm not. I'm not even sure what they would classify it as. <clears throat> but the point is, is that we haven't gotten as many as we normally do. And how cool would it have been to see a story of Elder Kai, you know, being sealed into the sword, and that just being a whole different side thing? I mean, you know, they've created such an expansive world and now with dragon ball super multiple worlds and multiple universes i mean there's like limitless stories that can be told so why just say oh beerus was the one who done it uh, whatever and, and and you bring up a good point like why would he ask frieza to destroy the planet when he's the damn destroyer <laughs> right it's like beerus you're the you're the you're the destroyer god man it's your job to blow up planets so why wouldn't you do it yourself instead of making Frieza do it? It just doesn't make any sense. So I 2000% agree with you there, Ryan. Okay. If you have any questions, comments about any of that or anything coming up in the next couple minutes, make sure you send me an email at rockthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. With that being said, I think it's time to go over and switch over to the episode talk for this week. Uh, so, of course, this episode of Rock the Dragon Podcast, episode 56, will cover episode 56 of Dragon Ball Super titled rematch with goku black enter super saiyan rose well i see we've returned to the era of spoilerific titles because they were doing pretty good and not spoiling shit during this future trunk slash goku black arc but now it's just like well psych here we go we're back with the spoiler so obviously we know that someone's gonna have a fight with goku black Obviously, if it's a rematch, then that stands to reason it would be someone who fought him before, right? Because it's a rematch. So we know it's either going to be Trunks or Goku because they're the only two that we've seen fight him. So we obviously get a little bit of that and we get a little bit more. Enter Super Saiyan Rose. Now, I don't. It's weird, right? Because I want to say that that's a spoiler. But then again, it's, I guess it's kind of not unless you already know that there is a Super Saiyan form that Goku Black can reach, which I think even if you don't watch the Japanese dub, you know that <laughs> because he's everywhere and he's in Xenoverse. He's in fucking Dragon Ball Fighters, the video game. Like his, he's there with the freaking rose colored hair. So for those of us who know that much about it, we know that that's what that form is. Uh, and we know it's coming in this episode. So the question is, is what is it and all of that kind of stuff? And what's the, the how did he achieve it? Well, we'll talk more about that uh, during the episode. <clears throat> so uh, we pick up pretty much what we left off at. Of course, 
the last episode 55 ended with this unnecessary cliffhanger <laughs> of Goku of these resistance fighters launching these missiles at Goku as if that's even going to remotely do anything. Of course, they don't realize that. But then again, they should realize that because if they think he's Goku Black, they know that they've done this at least a thousand times at Goku Black and it's never made a difference. Right. But it's understandable that as humans, they would use whatever they feel like their most powerful weapon is. And that's usually guns. OK, so <clears throat> they launched the, the, the missiles at him. I thought Goku was just going to kind of shrug them off with his energy. That didn't happen. Trunks actually kind of stepped in and sliced them up real quick, sent them off in different directions, done some explosions. Obviously, Goku didn't need Trunks' help, but I think it kind of stands to reason that he would be the first one to jump into action here. If this is his time. He's kind of leading everything. He knows these fighters. For all he knew, Goku could have assumed that he was just being attacked and, you know, uh, what, he stepped in there and I'm okay with it. Now, what I like about this moment and everything that kind of comes up in the next couple minutes, <clears throat> other than the fact that they assume that this is Goku Black, um, is that I feel like it's been a while since we've gotten like just, you know, these sort of side characters that speak up, you know, like Dragon Ball Z was full of this kind of stuff. Like they would be, they would just cut to random humans throughout on the sidelines throughout the events or something and they would just talk and they would just say shit you know so i kind of it kind of reminds me of that because we get these two resistance fighters that are kind of talking to trunks they realize that uh, it is commander trunks as they call him um and trunks kind of quickly explains that goku is not goku black and they accept that really quickly but I guess in this time, you know, Trunks has probably <laughs> proven himself many times. So there's no reason for them to necessarily not believe what he's saying here. And they come over there and they even want his, his autograph and stuff. And I think it's kind of funny. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's definitely a weird sort of time to be this humorous. But, you know, what all these people have or each other at this point, And I guess if they can find humor in a situation, they will. So that makes it okay. And I mean, I chuckled. I chuckled throughout all of this. I mean, the guy, they talk about how Vegeta just looks like a villain because of his face. And Vegeta's saying, you know, Goku's saying, hey, it's your face, Vegeta. That's the problem. Vegeta's saying, no, it's your face. You know, that's the problem. It's because they think you're Goku Black. So it's a nice sort of play on words. And it's, you know, kind of commentary on what's actually happening in the storyline while kind of being humorous. So uh, I do like that. Now, Trunks is saying, you know, okay, so this is Goku and Vegeta, or, or, you know, and they're my, they're here to help us defeat Black. I can't really say much more than that without getting into, you know, crazy shit. But they already know. The Resistance fighters already know. They're saying, well, we can only assume that these are the two people you brought from the past to help us fight. And Trunks is like, well, how did you know that? Because the only people that I told about this were my mom and mine are both dead. He looks over at Mai's hat kind of starts to put two and two together ask them who told you about the plan they reveal that it's my so we finally get to revisit my not only that we get a nice sweet chill emotional reunion between trunks and my which i appreciated you know one of the things i think they pulled off very successfully with this arc is that we don't even know my very well not this version of her you know I mean, we can think about the kid version of her. We can think about the original Dragon Ball version of her, <laughs> you know, a long time ago. But this is a completely different Mai, really, when you think about it. 
and we don't know her that well, but they've done a fantastic job of selling this relationship between the two of them, this friendship. I buy it. I love the voice actors here. Uh, I think it's Colleen Clinkenbeard, I think is her name. Uh, I'm sorry if that's wrong, but I just, I love it. I just fucking love it. I love everything about this. Um, you know, he runs in there and he just tells her straight up, I thought you were dead. You know, and we have like this sweet moment and the, the, the music kicks in and, you know, um, someone a lot more emotionally weak than I may have started to tear up a little bit. <laughs> I'm kidding there. Uh, or am I? Uh, yeah. But so it's cool. It's just a, it's just a cool moment to see them kind of get back together. And then, you know, that we the, the reunion is 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 interesting it's emotional but it's brief because we got to get back to business so they they get back to business and i gotta say there's something really cool about seeing goku and vegeta in this world you know it's just it's taking them out of their comfort zone their usual sort of element you know it's usually bright and sunny everywhere they are so you know for some reason it never seems to rain in the dragon ball world i don't know if anybody else has noticed that (laughs) It's always just fucking sunny. So you take those characters and you put them in this dystopian sort of uh, future. And I like it. It just it's nice. That, you know, it takes me right back to though a lot of these post-apocalyptic kind of movies where, you know, they bring in somebody to help and they get to see the remnants of the who the survivors and the resistance and who's remaining. It's very Terminator sort of influenced. OK, I don't think that's a coincidence that the way some of this is playing out is sort of like that we've got the resistance fighters and uh, trunks is john connor i guess i don't know uh, but then we get some you know my kind of explains how they found this new sort of bunker that they have which happens to be in a subway i thought it was very interesting that west city has a subway i don't know if we've ever seen that in dragon ball <laughs> that seems like such a grounded uh, literally <laughs> no pun intended grounded sort of form of transportation for a world that has established flying vehicles and motorcycles and shit that there's just like a regular subway tunnel but i'm sure it's just for cinematic purposes because this kind of stuff just looks better cinematically if you're having a post-apocalyptic sort of world right um so yeah she kind of gives them a a quick little flashback about how she ended up to where she is now and how they found the new location and etc uh, and then we kind of switch back and we get this moment where this little girl runs up to Mai and she sees Goku and we can only assume that she assumes that he's Goku Black. So she kind of runs off and people are giving Goku weird looks as they would. You know, I would have thought more of them would have reacted to it than did they did. But I, I mean, you see him walking along with Trunks and Mai. You can assume, OK. And plus, this is a world where damn near anything can happen, you know. <laughs> so they're, I'm sure they're thinking, okay, whatever, you know. Uh, but it's a nice moment because there's some there's some some tension here, and the little kids are getting scared, and then Trunks starts to make faces, uh, and he makes them laugh, and he kind of gets everybody's spirits lifted a little bit. And we kind of see the impact that he has on these people, and his time, and that he is a hero. And I think Vegeta sees that too. You know, because we get a quick little moment where he just he kind of smiles as he watches the people's reaction to Trunks. And of course, Goku looks at him and tries to make him and puts him on the spot. And he just says, OK, yeah, well, whatever. Never mind. You know, because he can't. He's Vegeta. He can't show that emotion too blatantly. Uh, but it was a cool moment. Right. Because, I, 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 you know, I think it's it's very it, 
I think he loves the fact that he gets to see that at least this version of his son turned out well. And he's a hero and he's a warrior and he's strong. You know what I mean? And yeah, he has his weak points and he tries to help him with that. But essentially, he is the savior of his timeline. He is John Connor. <laughs> you know, he is the freaking guy. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, like that world would not exist had it not been for Trunks. Everyone else is wiped out. And Boma, obviously. But I mean, Trunks is the one who came back and destroyed the androids and killed Cell. He also killed Bobbity and Deborah. So he is the dude. He is the Goku of his timeline. And uh, that's, a, that's something about that that I think Vegeta's proud of. But it's short-lived. <laughs> so he walks off. He starts asking people to move out of the way. And we know he's about to do something here. He pulls out a capsule, throws it down, opens up this big sort of long table of this feast, this buffet of, of delicacies for these people to eat. Uh, and he quickly explains that it wasn't his idea, <laughs> that it, it was Boma. So she sent along this box of capsules that we can assume has a ton of food in it. So that's pretty cool. My only thing about this, and this is not necessarily a nitpick, it's just a bit of an observation. <laughs> it just opens up more questions. You know, when you decide to send along items with these guys to the future, it makes you start to, it, well, not, it makes me, <laughs> makes me start to think, well, hey, well, what would have happened if they would have just sent the Dragon Balls along with them to the future? Would that have made any sort of a difference? Okay, what if they would have brought the Dragon Balls to that timeline and made a wish for everything to be better for everybody? Now, then the question starts to become, obviously, th the next question would be, well, is that possible? Can Shinron's power uh, transfer over timelines, right? I, we don't know. Probably not. I think it's safe to assume that it can't because they could have wished for it a long time ago. The limits of Shinron's powers in the Dragon Balls are not always clear, okay? I feel like they do kind of introduce new shit whenever it suits the story. But I, I guess it's safe to assume that his power cannot transcend the timelines. Um, I mean, we know it can't transcend universes, right? I mean, I don't think there's any reason to believe that if someone was in universe 10 and they wanted to make a wish that affected universe 7, they probably couldn't do that because those are two different universes with their own Dragon Balls, maybe, you know, I guess, or whatever. But this is not a different universe. It's the same universe. This is still Universe 7. This is just an alternate timeline of Universe 7. So technically, that's still the same dragon. You know, so it, it gets a little fuzzy. It's like, well, what are the rules? You know, can they not can he not change anything because of an alternate timeline? Or could they have brought the Dragon Balls with them to the future and just fixed a lot of this shit? That's just something I thought about whenever I realized that she gave them those uh, capsules. It's like, well, what else could you have sent with them? So I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? What are you saying? Send me an email at rockthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure one of you guys are going to bring up something that I'm just forgetting in terms of Shinron's powers. And maybe it's something they even addressed before and I'm just not remembering right now. But that's something I thought about when I, when I got to this part of the episode. Okay, anyway. Uh, so yeah, you know, these people got a feast, man. And they're saying, hey. What do you say we chow down like a sand? 
Okay, kind of weird that a human would say that, because I mean, like, how much do the humans really know about the Saiyans at this point? But okay, whatever, I'll take it. Uh, we got some pretty good animation here. Everything looks pretty good, so I can't complain too much about that. Now, <laughs> we get a moment where we get to see an old, I, I can't call him a fan favorite necessarily, but Yajirobe's down there, and Goku points him out. And they quickly, they're asking questions and saying, hey, you know, Yajirobe, we thought that the androids would have killed you a long time ago. And he's saying, no, you know, right when the androids attack the tower, before they kill Korin, Korin gave me this last Sensu bean, and I guess he survived because of that. And he's just been kind of hiding out ever since. And they're under the impression it's like, oh man, it's pretty cool that you're still around because, you know, that you join the resistance. And this guy's like, no, trust me. Yajirobe only pops up when there's food around. So, same old Yajirobe, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny how much shit people give Yamcha, but Yajirobe's the real coward of Dragon Ball. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, Yamcha may not be the first one to rush into a fight. He might be a little bit hesitant about it, but he still fights when it's necessary. Yajirobe's just a fucking coward. Uh, not not forgetting that he once chopped off Vegeta's tail or Gohan's tail. Somebody's tail he chopped off in the early Dragon Ball Z. I don't remember who it was. It was Vegeta, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now they're kind of getting to the point. The whole point that they, you know, they came here to find Goku Black and fight Goku Black. So it's it's time to go and do that. So they kind of go outside and there's a discussion that happens on who's gonna fight Black. Although we all should have learned by now that it's just much smarter for, why can't the three of you guys just take them on at once? <laughs> you know what I mean? But this Saiyan pride always kind of ruins things and gets in the way and because of it, well, Later on, some shit happens that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise had they just teamed up on him, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah, but they're they're discussing who's going to fight first. And Vegeta's saying, you know, it needs to be me. I, I, you've already had your turn, Kakarot, which technically he did. So that he was right about that. So they do a quick little rock, paper, scissors. Vegeta wins. Trunks is saying that he's going to fight as well. Uh... So there's a little bit of a dispute there between he and Vegeta, but Vegeta brings up a good point. He says, you know, if we don't make it through this, at least you'll still be here to hopefully carry on with your girlfriend and, and sort of repopulate the earth, I guess, or something. And, you know, they're both Trunks is like, oh, she's not my girlfriend. Yada, yada, yada. I kind of wish they would just stop doing that and just no, man, just go ahead and plant one on her, man. Plant a kiss on her. I was hoping he would have done that. <laughs> when he realized she was alive but that's something you never see in dragon ball these characters never kiss you know i think that's something i talked about in episode zero of the podcast maybe you know there is an episode zero for anybody who's just not coming along doesn't realize it. i talked about dragon ball z for 90 percent of the episode from start to finish i went through every single saga i think i brought that up there's no kissing here and i just kind of wish that they would just let it happen every now and then because it just adds more emotion to the scenes you know i mean i don't i don't think anybody's going to be bothered by a kiss it'd be cool to see something like that happen every now and then uh but yeah so you know but they obviously he's obviously really embarrassed about it and and whatever but so they ultimately decide that vegeta's going to be the one to fight now we've seen this scenario enough times at this point to where we know that whoever fights first isn't going to defeat the villain <laughs> they're going to get their ass knocked out or be half dead and it's usually vegeta 
that's something that I'm wishing that they would stop doing. You know, Vegeta doesn't always have to be the first one to fight. Now, I get it. That's his character, right? Because he's so proud and thinks he's so damn strong. He wants to be the first one to fight. And but he always ends up getting taken out first because of because of that. It'd be nice to see him be, be a little bit smarter in, in Super. So hopefully they'll kind of change that in the future. But we know that since he's going up first, that means he's going to get his ass knocked out or something. Because that's just they usually save the quote unquote best for last and that's usually Goku so we'll see what happens but basically launches the beam into the air to sort of get Black's attention and it does that and he shows up right away he shows up right away and things things escalate man things escalate pretty quickly uh, so there's sort of a brief little exchange here and basically Vegeta powers up the Super Saiyan Blue there's no reason to, to, to mess around here there's some uh, Trunks points out the fact that it doesn't appear to be a surprise to Black. He doesn't seem to be phased at all that he just witnessed a transformation that he hadn't seen with his eyes yet. Um, we can kind of start to infer what that might mean, obviously, especially knowing the title of the episode. So he powers up and he says some good stuff. I have to say, Sean Schimmel's Goku Black voice is phenomenal now. I mean, the first two episodes... He sounded a lot like Super Saiyan 3 Goku. But now he doesn't even sound like the same freaking guy. And, I, you know, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think he sounds awesome. I love the voice. He doesn't sound like Goku, but he sounds enough like Goku to know that it's the same voice actor. And I think that that's cool, you know, because it stands to reason that he still would sound something like Goku since he's in Goku's body. But so we get this sort of quick fight, you know. Well, Vegeta just kind of launches into it with Super Saiyan Blue because obviously he thinks that's going to be enough to beat him. And there's some, you know, they, they do kind of talk about Trunks takes notice of what Goku Black says. And he mentions the whole thing about mortals and all that kind of stuff. So he's saying, hey, why would he say that? Maybe isn't isn't he is he a god? Is he Zamasu? So they're kind of reminding us that this is a theory that they have going on right now. And it's not a coincidence that the term Super Saiyan Blue is thrown out several times in this episode. It's it's to sort of further provide the comparison later on when Super Saiyan Rose sort of pops up and Vegeta kind of senses something there. And and we essentially get the reveal. I mean, we, we get it. He kind of talks about it for a minute. And then he powers up to the Super Saiyan Rose form. Now, this is something we kind of talked about before. Uh, from his fight with Goku in the past, or the present, whatever you want to call it, uh, he learned more so about how Goku's body works. So now he's like, okay, you know, I could probably reach a new power level based on what I now know about how the way Goku's body functions. And as a result, he was able to sort of achieve this his own sort of version of Super Saiyan, which he calls Super Saiyan Rose. Uh, and it's not a bad looking transformation at all. I mean, it's essentially it's it's I just take it as Super Saiyan Blue. But for someone who was already a deity, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, oh, so now he's basically just a God, Super Saiyan God version of himself. But we don't know exactly what he is. He already has some power of the deities anyway uh, clearly so this is kind of his version of that which ultimately I think proves to be more powerful to Super Saiyan Blue which we it's kind of 
happens in this episode. But it's called Super Saiyan Rose, which is an interesting sort of <laughs> name. And I mean, he looks badass, so I don't have a problem with any of this. I mean, I think it's kind of cool that he would have that, be able to achieve a version like that. After all, he is in Goku's body. So it doesn't take long for him to showcase the power. And basically, he and Vegeta kind of get into it. We get some pretty cool exchanges. Um, and then he takes Vegeta out. I mean, it kind of gets to the point, you know. Um, he sort of uses this. I, I, I've been calling it a psychic knife because it just looks like that. Because I'm an X-Men fan. And, you know, if you know the character Psylocke, she has this purple sort of energy. And she can do these psychic knives, sort of like that, where the energy just kind of comes out of her hand and forms this blade. <laughs> so that's what I'm calling it right now. Um, yeah, he just kind of impales Vegeta with one. So and Vegeta's kind of taken out. And like I said, usually the first person to fight that happens to them. And so he just kind of gets taken out with that. Now, what I really, really like is that, you know, later on after he does that, we we actually see the the aura you know, the psychic knife, I'm calling a psychic knife. I'm sure there's an actual name for it, but he channels the aura into his hand and that's what forms that knife. And so there later on, there's this shot where he transfers the power back from his arm and then it comes back into his aura again. And I just thought that that was super fucking cool, <laughs> right? It's like it's little details like that, that just look really good. And it's like, if you're not really paying attention, you might miss something like that. But I thought that that was pretty sweet. And then he starts to charge up a Kamehameha. And even Goku notices that. So he's realizing, holy crap, like, this guy has learned so much just from fighting me for five minutes back in the past. Uh... Oh, sorry. I, I kind of jumped ahead. Okay. Well, go... <laughs> before all of that happens, Goku gets into the fight, too. Because Vegeta gets taken out because he gets impaled. Uh, Goku powers up essentially goes at him jumps in there they kind of spar for a little bit i mean you know it, it doesn't last long it doesn't take goku long to realize that goku black is probably way more stronger than them at this point and this is where he's deciding to kind of go ahead and just blast everybody to death <laughs> with this with this energy wave but then the skies open up a voice comes down from the heavens and i don't think it's any ma massive surprise to us that it is zamasu Okay, so the theories are obviously, you know, appearing to be true to an extent, except now it appears that Goku Black is not Zamasu, but he is working with him or he was created by him or something of that nature. So we know that they are connected. So, yeah, basically, the future version of Zamasu is the one who I'll just say created Goku Black right now until we find out exactly what it is. Um yeah, and he, he, you know, he makes a statement. He says, uh, I thought we had agreed that I would be the one to destroy him. And he's talking about Goku. So why why would he say that, right? Why why does he want to get revenge on Goku? Now, if we go by what we just saw in the present or in the past, it's not, it pissed him off that, Zom, that Goku came to the planet of the Kais, stepped foot there, talked to him didn't treat him with the sort of respect that he was expecting as a Kai. Uh, so that's, that could be what he's referring to. However, that would have never happened in this timeline, right? 
<laughs> because Goku would have been dead a long time ago. So this is where the sort of confusion comes in at. And I mentioned this before. There's this time travel theory that's called like a causal loop. And it, it it's hard to explain, but I don't know if that's the direction they're going in with this. But if it is, then that will kind of explain how that works. And I, I'm looking forward to a scene of Weiss kind of just explaining all this shit to us so we know exactly what, what could be going on here or somebody will explain it. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that happens this episode. I mean, it, you know, this is something we've kind of talked about a few times is that a lot of this stuff seems to be escalating really quickly. I mean, in the span of one episode... You know, they pretty much arrive in the future. Uh, Mai is revealed to be alive. We get a reunion between her and Trunks. Uh, Vegeta gets taken out of commission. Goku basically gets beaten. Goku Black powers up the Super Saiyan Rose and Zamazu comes down and reveals himself. That's a lot for one episode. So it seems a little bit fast. But I had to remember, I had to think about this and say, you know, one of the biggest complaints about Dragon Ball Z was how slow everything moved. <laughs> that they would stand there for an entire episode and just talk before they fought. So that's why, if I think that's why it feels so differently to us. It's because we're used to these fights taking five episodes or more. Because there's so much ta- talking and then they'll fight for a minute and then they'll split up. They'll talk again. They'll fight again. They'll talk, you know. And it just seems like we're super. They kind of learned and said, you know, we're not going to do all that. We're just going to get to the point. Now, we're just going to get once we get into these fights, we're in the fights, you know, because that was one of the biggest sort of criticisms of Dragon Ball Z was that standing around and talking like I, I wouldn't I would I wouldn't have it any other way now in hindsight. But uh, I'm trying to find an appreciation for it now that they're kind of speeding this stuff up. And I do miss the emphasis on the transformations. Like, I think. The first reveal of, of Goku Black going Super Saiyan Rose probably could have been better. They could, could probably could have taken a little bit longer. Because remember, we're used to guys powering up for five minutes. <laughs> you know, but once again, it's like if they're trying to quote unquote improve from Dragon Ball Z, it stands to reason that they'll probably just get to these sorts of things a lot faster. Okay. With the exception of Goku going Super Saiyan God for the first time, which took the entire episode. But yeah, I think that about does it for the episode talk. I think I kind of covered everything there. I mean, the episode kind of ends on this cliffhanger is sort of a, which was a great cliffhanger. That's how you end an episode. That's a cliffhanger, not missiles being shot at Goku that we know is not going to fucking phase him at all. (laughs) So the ending of this episode was a lot better. This is an excellent episode. I mean, no complaints here. There was some humor in there. Plenty of action, transformations, uh, emotional things you know drama good episode excellent episode can't really complain about it Uh, a lot of cool stuff happened here so if this is any indication i think we're back in it man i think we have one or two sort of spotty episodes this arc so far and it seems like we're getting right back on track so that fucking excites me can't wait to see where this goes now that it is revealed that zamasu is tied into goku black i wish i didn't know that already i did because well like I said, you play Dragon Ball Fighters. When you play with Goku Black, he has certain moves where Zamasu comes out and helps him. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise to me that they're tied in to one another. The question is, what is the extent of it? What is the actual reasons for it? That I don't know. 
looking forward to finding out what are you looking forward to what are you saying let me know send me an email at rock the dragon podcast at gmail.com uh, reminder here head over to facebook.com slash rock the dragon podcast watch the video the teaser reaction video that i made for the new dragon ball movie uh, just something fun and bonus there for you guys to check out leave plenty of comments share it like the page you know how it goes etc etc i'm gonna get out of here guys so until next time for rock the dragon podcast i'm tim bridgewater and i will see you next time